Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. is up. What's going Love on? Tribe. Thank you for joining us today. We are so happy to have you here. 
as always, thanks for tuning in and thanks for being you, for sending us emails, for joining the Love Tribe group on Facebook, for leaving us those five-star reviews on iTunes. We love it. We love all of it. Yes, thank you guys. We are just cruising full speed ahead, 200 episodes plus getting there almost Sarah's shaking her head (laughs) I don't know I'm not counting we've been talking about this number 200 interview for a while now it's it's almost it's almost this one might be 198 199 I'm not sure we're almost there so this is going to be the lead up get excited (laughs) yes 200 is coming and and with that we've done a lot of episodes and so we've covered a lot of topics and today's topic is a new one but if you have any topic suggestions that you would like to hear us interview someone about please email us and let us know cuz we're always looking for ideas or even if you want to hear more stuff from Sarah and I or you know something different maybe if we talked about um our relationship and not necessarily giving advice, but I always think it's interesting when I listen to podcasts to hear a little bit about the guests. So let us know and we will give you an episode on it if Sarah wants to talk about it. She's always (laughs) the one that's like, I don't want to, she's not as forthcoming as uh, maybe I might be. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But Um, we're we're definitely open to it. Open to new ideas and and topics. Well, on today's show, we welcome back Dr. Alexandra Solomon, and she is a clinical assistant professor at the Department of Psychology at Northwestern University and a licensed clinical psychologist at the Family Institute of Northwestern University. And we dive into and talk about how to maintain friendships outside of the romantic relationship that you're in and the importance of it. And this is an area that we explore with Dr. Solomon. And it personally, I think is extremely important in an area that Sarah and I are trying to improve uh, both individually and as a couple. Relationships with our friends can get easily lost when we're so focused on growing a relationship and growing a family. It gets harder and harder. The more elements are added to relationship and the the less time you have. So it is very important. So thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. And like Chase said, giving us those five-star reviews. We really appreciate it and enjoy the episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dr. Solomon. Thank you so much for joining us back on the show. It's wonderful to be back with you guys. We've given our listeners a little overview, and we like to start the show with having you tell them why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Oh, my gosh. I I feel um, so lucky to be able to do the work that I do, the work that we do. 
because it really is, I mean, we've got the science to back it up, but we don't really need the science to confirm what we know, which is that the quality of our relationships is really the centerpiece of the quality of our lives. So anything that we can do to put our attention towards the fact that we are human beings and not human doings and and focusing on how to be in our relationships uh, makes me really happy. <laughs> we love that. And it is so true. And today's topic is one that we haven't specifically covered in one that really highlights the importance of human relationships. And and that is the need to cultivate and navigate our relationships outside of our romantic relationships. So a relationship with our friends and could say family, but really friendships, it seems like when you get into a romantic relationship, especially early on in that honeymoon phase, but Sarah and I are 10 years into our relationship and find that this is an issue. It's easy to just stay at home, to watch Netflix on the couch and not cultivate relationships outside of our romantic relationship. And it can feel like all good. And I feel like we don't really notice this almost going on. So how can we take steps, and we're going to dive into this and all the different facets, but how can we take steps to realize this and then to to cultivate these relationships outside of our primary romantic relationship? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I do think that um, so a couple, you know, the, the little the little like micro system of a couple exists within a larger network of systems of friends and family, and I had this like aha moment um, sitting with a couple. I do a lot of couples therapy and I was sitting with a new couple and getting to know them. And I started to ask them about their network, you know, like who are, who are, who's the wind beneath your wings as a couple, you know, who's got your back as a couple. And they were pretty quiet. You know, they both live far away from their families of origin and didn't have particularly close relationships there. There weren't siblings really that were much support. They didn't really have much of a social network. They didn't belong to a, religious institution of any kind and I remember like the feeling in my body I got like almost a little dizzy and it was and it was this aha moment around feeling the heaviness that it was just the three of us that were going to be kind of working to figure out how this couple was going to be supported doing the complicated and difficult work of being a couple across time and it was it really cemented for me um, my realization of how important it is for couples to have that network because it's because that network really is like they have our backs, you know, they, they, um, in the best of scenarios, they have our backs and they support our, our coupleness. Um, sometimes there are complications within the larger system of friends. If there are, um, you know, friends who aren't really allies of the couple, but I think it is something that I appreciate you guys attending to it. Cause I think it's easy for couples just to think of themselves as, a discrete thing onto themselves when in fact they're tied into a bigger network. And obviously it's complicated. Like we're not going to solve this in a 30 minute podcast, but it it's important just, I think for our listeners to hear this because I'm pretty aware of this issue and Sarah is too, but like a lot of things in our relationship, it doesn't automatically solve itself. Like you have to be proactive in 
trying to cultivate your own romantic relationship, but then relationships outside of your partner. And I think that realization is important. And then taking the steps to to do it. Now, you give there's an example in um, an article that was written that that you shared with us, and we'll link to it for our listeners. But the the author who cites you talks about how they feel guilty, like lying to their friends about their weekend plans because they want to leave those plans open for their boyfriend, or you know, it could be your husband, or it could be your wife. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. all probably have done this at some point, and and. How can we not continue to do that? How can we break that cycle? Right. Yeah. So this was an interview that I had done um, about basically about what happened. And I, and I think the way that the way that um, the way this was framed is because there is a longer period of time between like sort of being an adult and saying I do. Um, a lot of a lot of people in their twenties and thirties have really lovely, elaborate networks of friendship. You know, and friendship is probably more central, um, like sort of the, the sort of, um, you know, group of guys or group of gals, like that sort of um, friendship group remains more central for a longer period of time developmentally than for our parents' generation and for our grandparents' generation. So friendship networks, the squad, the tribe, the crew stays, um, remains like a more central part of young adults' lives for longer because marriage and intimate partnership tends to be a bit delayed. Um, and so then what happens? Like there's sort of this interesting question of what happens then when one of the members of the squad develops an intense intimate relationship and that becomes a group dynamic, right? Because a new intimate relationship does need time and nurturing and lots and lots of Netflix on the couch and lots of takeout food. And, you know, that's how love grows. And the and is that that does also change then the... um your relationship to your friends. It changes it. It doesn't mean that you are no longer a friend and you are just simply an intimate partner, but it means that it changes it. And so I'm always a fan of just being straight about that, just naming with your friends that things are different. And there is going to be, um, there may be times when you do opt for a night with your new boyfriend or new girlfriend and you do miss out then on a night out with the crew. And so just being able to talk about that, I think, cuts against a lot of the kind of tricky dynamics that are happening under the surface that are oftentimes fueled by complicated stuff. Like, I mean, the simplest level is just we miss you. We miss you. You weren't here. You were with your new partner. And we missed you. But peel back that layer. And there might be things that are deeper, like envy. There's a part of me that wishes that I had a new intimate partner, resentment, um, you know, just sort of some things that maybe a little bit deeper. And so I'm a big fan of just really curiously saying, let's talk about this. I am navigating a relatively new relationship and it needs a lot of my attention and I want to give it a lot of my attention and I, and I, and I want to remain part of this community of friendship as well. Open communication. Who would have thought? It's <laughs> it's such a obvious thing, but yet it's hard to do a lot of times. So I love that, you know, just communicating directly with your friends. 
Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to hang out, what, whatever it is. You don't have to make up some excuse. And like I said, I'm not trying to blame, like we've all done it, but be like, Oh, you know, just be like, I, I'm going to hang out with, with my partner this weekend, but let's put something on the calendar for next week. Or, or if you're the friend that is feeling like, you want to spend more time and rather than being passive aggressive or, or making mm-hmm. some comments, be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. But I really miss our Friday evenings together, hanging out, you know, let's try to, can you make time for it next week? And just being direct. And, and as you were saying those things, I thought you could replace new relationship with a new kid <laughs> when you become oh a, mm-hmm. a parent. That's like a whole other level, but it's like this new commitment, this new relationship that's also going to take priority and take time away from your established friendships. Yep, there was a um, there was a researcher who did a lot of um, a lot of studies like back in the nineties about this idea of being on time and off time. Like there's ways that we all kind of carry these like internalized social clocks and if you're the first of your friends to get married or the first of your friend to have a baby or the last of your friend to get married or the last of your, you know we sort of we kind of want to do everything in sync with our peer group so that we're all in it together you know and it's not it can't always happen like that sometimes you are a bit ahead of the curve sometimes you are a bit behind the curve and we are um, as human beings we're such like meaning making creatures so we make meaning of that if I'm the first to get married, what does that say about me? I must be whatever, old fashioned or desperate or whatever. If I'm the last to get married, what does that mean about me? I must be, the, you know, we sort of attach these stories that then end up leading us to withdraw or shut down or be reactive versus just understanding that that's just, that's just the stuff we do as humans is we, we, we make up stories about the sort of like lived facts of our lives. I kind of was laughing as you were mentioning about having friends that got married or had kids all at the same time, because that kind of happened to me and Chase, really, with your best friend and mine. And a few of us had kids around the same time. And it's really interesting because the girlfriends of mine that have not gotten married and had kids yet, we don't really have the same close relationship as I do with my other girlfriends who have kind of had those same life experiences with me. And although I've still tried to nurture those relationships, it's like, it's like extra hard. It's like really hard to relate to those friends that complain about not having time when it's like, you know, their life is just completely, (laughs) it's just, it's just hard. So do you have any advice on maybe maintaining those relationships with friends who have not had those same life experiences with you and you're kind of on different uh, areas of your life, different journeys? Yeah, I do think it's, I do think it's, um, it's complicated. And um, I think part of it is just like kind of honoring that there may I think there may be times when the distance does become too great, especially if there's like a lot of resentment built up. But I also think, um, I don't know, it's really hard because for young, for young parents, it is helpful sometimes to remember those parts of yourself that get, parts of yourself that get um, kind of shut down when you have a, a new child. And so that friend who doesn't have children can be the friend who helps you remember, like remember <laughs> how much you used to love 
whatever, a night, uh, you know, a night dancing, a night out dancing, or remember how much you used to love a movie in the middle of the day? So sometimes those friends can be real diamonds, you know, who can kind of just help you remember the you that you used, the you that you once were and help you just dip into it a little bit and then come home again, recharge, you know, but sometimes that, um, that friendship group is there to help you access a part of you that is otherwise a bit in the background. Um, and then even though it is hard to step away from the intensity of a new relationship or the intensity of a new little family unit, sometimes stepping away is a great act of kindness because then we can come home restored. Um, but it is like, that is the central paradox that I was telling. I just came home from four days away from my family. I'm in a in 20 years into my marriage and we're raising two teens and we've got a dog and, you know, a really complicated kind of set of conditions here at home. And I stepped away for four days to go to Washington, D.C., which is a long time for me. And I had the experience that I have every single time I travel for work, which is I get the, the key card to my hotel room. I open the door to my hotel room, and at the very same time, I feel two exact opposite feelings. I feel like this deep exhale of like, oh my God, I have this hotel room for four days. <laughs> I have a remote control that I get to control. I don't have to think about anybody else's hunger or their schedules. It's all me. And at the very same time, I feel deeply, deeply lonely and out of place like what am I doing here like my people are in Chicago and I'm in DC and this is wrong and those two feelings I have to make space in myself to hold on to both of them because that that's just the central paradox that and that my my twist on that is no different than the twist when somebody says I'm so excited about my new relationship and I miss my nights with my friends it's just a, it's just a paradox you know it's just sort of the Conditions of being human. I, and I think Sarah as well, yeah. can totally relate yeah. because probably every three or four months we are uh, away from each other for a few weeks, actually. And it's a little bit different for each of us. Usually Sarah will take Stella uh, to Florida and visit family. And then for work, I'm usually staying behind. And mm -hmm. it is a, an added element of being away from our my our three-year-old. So the first couple days, three, actually, it, it takes me a little bit longer. The first couple of days, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. The house is so <laughs> quiet. I'm going to do what I want, when I want. And, and then obviously, Sarah doesn't have that luxury quite as much. She's with our daughter still. But and then I miss them, you know, usually around like the, the I'll be honest, like the fourth day, three days, you know, I'm good. And then it's not immediate. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a little bit, but then by the fourth day, I'm like, all right, you know, I miss, I miss um, my girls. And mm -hmm. at the end, though, I think it's, it's a net positive thing. And you touched on this a little bit, but not feeling guilty about that time away, and then that there is a restorative factor to it, and that we need to cultivate going back to the, the idea of cultivating friendships outside of the relationship, like we need to cultivate these friendships in our own identities. And it's all kind of wrapped up in the same thing in a sense, but like this sense of self and, and like when you get in a relationship, you become the, I'm the 
the husband or I'm the boyfriend initially. And, and that's layered on to what I now am. Whereas before I was single chase or, you know, chase mm-hmm. that wasn't a dad. And it's so, I think it's such an interesting thing about being a human and how we wear these different hats throughout our lives. And then, but it's almost like we leave the others behind or we evolve, mm-hmm. if you want to say into mm-hmm. the the next one. But I think it's healthy to sometimes like be reminded by your single friend or your friend that's not a mom of like, hey, this is, you remember when you used to do this? And it's like, oh yeah. And, and I'm kind of a different person now, but but I was that person. And why can't I like step back and be that person occasionally? And maybe to bring it full circle, that's why friends can do is, is help you wear those different hats almost simultaneously sometimes. Well, I think what you're saying is so, so, so important because if we make these splits where it, that was me and it is not me, anytime we make a split in the self, we are far more at risk of doing things that are not in service of the marriage of the family. Like I'm just thinking about infidelity. You know, I'm thinking about if I, if I live in a place where I can't even think about the old me, the single me, the me I used to be, if I have to shut that down, put it in a box and act like that, that is not me anymore. I'm at far more risk of resenting the me that is a wife and a mother. And I'm at far more risk of acting out then versus if I can sort of, have ways that I tap back into, especially if it's around sort of like whatever, um, just sort of being in more of a, like, like stepping out, accessing the part of me that is full of whatever, passion, vitality, creativity, and then bringing that home to the relationship. I think that's super duper important in terms of keeping an erotic connection alive at home. Um, is that like stepping out and coming back in versus acting like I can't do anything that was about my quote unquote old life. I think when we make those splits, we're at more, we're at greater risk of blaming our partner. Like I can't be that anymore. And we blame our partner for that versus if we find ways that kind of connect us with our vitality and our creativity, we can come home and bring that energy home. And we're at less risk of doing something that's hurtful um, to the relationship. Does that make sense? That's, I think, a really important point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just curious. A lot of the time that Chase and I spend with our friends now is more other couple friends that we both relate to, the the husband and the wife or the other partner. Um, And so for us, that works great because we happen to have, we've found couples where we both get along great with the husband and wife. What happens if another couple has a hard time finding other couples that they can relate to where both partners get along and have a good time with each other. How would you recommend building those relationships? And does it even matter to have, you know, like co relationships like that with other couples or is really the, the one thing that matters is, is the friendship outside of the relationship. So them spending time with other friends uh, just in general. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by For Hers. 
Getting birth control is a hassle and way too time consuming. The amount of time it takes to go to your gynecologist's office, pick up your new pack, or deal with all the phone calls with your insurance company is way too crazy. Your birth control should be delivered to you where you want it, when you want it, without judgment, and with your physician available to answer any questions you might have. And for hers, does just that. For hers provides access to licensed doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe you with birth control that can be delivered directly to your door. Talk about convenience, right? Yes, and I <laughs> I don't like to say I'm glad I'm not a female because I would love to experience childbirth and all of the beautiful things that come with being a female. And I love the females in my life. But <laughs> Thank you. It seems like if I was a female, something I would use. It is a pain to have to deal with that. And for hers makes it so much easier. For hers puts the purchasing power back in your hands, bundling all the costs of receiving your birth control into one low price of $30 and without the need for insurance. And since everybody's body is different, For Hers offers 10 well-known birth control options. Our listeners can get their first month of birth control from ForHers.com for just $5 right now while supplies last and subject to doctor approval. See website for full details. Go to ForHers.com slash I do. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S dot com slash I do. Forhers.com slash I do. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and safety information. Today's episode is also brought to you by our course, Spark My Relationship. You're listening to the podcast, so you probably want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner. And if you can do it in less than 90 days, even better. We say it all the time on the show, a mediocre relationship is easy, but a passionate, authentic, and satisfying relationship takes work. It doesn't just happen on its own. And that's why Sarah really did all the heavy lifting on this, you created <laughs> this course with the therapist that we've had on the show to really help you with the specific tools, exercises needed to create the lasting and positive improvements rather than just listening to the show and not really implementing them. This is a great way to have some accountability in a structured format to put the tools that we talk about on the show into practice. You can do this in 90 days, you can do it from home, and it is self-paced. So it is perfect for turning up the heat in your relationship, having some fun together, and really revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And... Like Chase mentioned before, we've worked with 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. And just some of those strategies are how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper, more intimate bond and strengthen your couple microculture and future together. So for our listeners only, we are offering a special promo for the course. You can find it at sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, and you can access a special pricing just for you guys. So again, check out sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock for your special promo. Check it out. 
Don't waste any more time. Do, Do it. it. <laughs> well, you're right. I think that's an interesting um, twist on it, which is there's sort of there's time when maybe um, a wife steps away and hangs out with her girlfriends versus times the couple steps away from being parents and hangs out with other couple friends. And I think um, I think this is super, um, you know, couple specific about what feels good and what feels restorative to them. But that, that is a funny twist, isn't it? Where there's like another couple that a couple is friends with and they really like partner A, but they really don't care much for partner B. <laughs> I think that's, that can it's be hard. a bit tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So that's a reminder that when there are couples where there's just a really nice dynamic between everybody, um, that's fun. I think that's a nice thing about especially as couples are settling into neighborhoods where they might be raising their families. Like we've, that's really the bulk of our social network now are the, um, we moved into a neighborhood as we became parents where there were a lot of other young families. And so we just became friends over time. And those are our go-to social connections, you know, these days and hopefully going into the future. And so I think it's important maybe also to say that we live in a time where we want we want to figure out hacks, you know, like the quickest way to do something, like what's the most efficient, expedient thing. And just like a romantic relationship, friendship relationships take time to cultivate. So that first date that a couple has with another couple, it may be a total bust, but it may be that over time, like after spending more time together, like it takes lots of hours to really kind of establish a flow and a connection. So I guess I would maybe encourage some patience and some grace around building relationships that it may take time. And that thing that you kind of find, um, you kind of find quirky about one of the partners may end up being something really endearing with some more time. And you have to make the effort, just like in a romantic relationship, you have to make the effort to cultivate these relationships with, with friends. And it's easy like we've been talking about to get stuck in your routine and be at home and sit on the couch. And as we are finding out more and more in because of technology, because of these things that are actually distracting us, disconnecting us, they're not real human connections, social media, all this stuff. We are, it's making us unhappy and, and depressed. And we are really, craving these human connections that that it's becoming harder and harder to create so really making that effort is uh something that that might take you out of your comfort zone but it's going to make you individually a happier person and then as a couple it's going to have positive effects because if you're both happier and if you're both connecting with others it's going to bring out all kinds of good things in your own romantic relationship and and I'm saying this like I'm giving the advice, but it's really do as I say, not as I do kind of thing, because we don't do it nearly enough. And it's something I'm always trying to to get better at. Yeah, that is um, the whole thing about technology is it's happening. It's happening really very quickly. And we're all super immersed. So it's like there's none of us can stand outside of it and really see what's happening. But the data is clear that there's... Um, uh, loneliness is becoming an epidemic so much so that um, Great Britain has appointed a minister of loneliness um, whose job it is to really look at cross-disciplinary, like through mental health, through urban planning, through um, education, like to really look at how do we create spaces for connection and not connection like 
um, a screen to screen, but connection, like old fashioned, like being in the same space with kind of just unfolding togetherness time, which is uh, becoming rather a scarce resource and something that all of us need to um, be paying attention to because that's what, like, that's what really keeps us healthy physically and emotionally is just being in spaces with other humans. We're just, that's just how we're wired. So I'm glad that you're making a point to this because it really is a public health issue. hundred percent. And we can get, and we, and we can get like kind of, so I think we can get kind of like specific, like we get very, I think the other thing that's become part of being in this age of technologies, we think, well, I want, I want, I want it the way I want it and when I want it, you know, Uber Eats and all these things that like, where it's like very transactional, like you come to me the way I want you to come to you. So when there's a couple where we like one, but we don't like the other, well, maybe that's just sort of like part of the deal. And we have to treat it with a little bit of humor and levity because at least they are people with whom we're spending time and, you know, making that kind of community that we're so, so, so needing. hundred percent. And it really <laughs> is a, public health crisis and and it's hard to recognize when you're in it and that's why we love talking to people like you i our listeners are probably sick of me saying how bad this the cell phone is for them and and <laughs> i think it's just such a important thing to realize and it's a great tool a lot of people are listening to this on their phones i know i listen to a lot of podcasts and it gets information out um and social media can be good for connections, but really stay, stepping back, being aware of its negative effects in, in that we really can become addicted to these things. Uh, we're getting ready to do a little family vacation, and I am looking forward to – I just told Sarah I'm I'm going to do a total detox. Like I'm not even going to – I'm going to bring my phone, but I'm going to try – most likely hopefully be able to do but like a week without even looking at it no emails no nothing and i'm really looking forward to it because it gets out of control and it takes away from developing a real human connection beautiful that's good for you good for you there's um a friend of mine dallas hartwig who's one of the people who created the whole 30 um program that's become his passion is um, is really helping, like helping people do social media detoxes and stuff. I think it's it's really important. I think I'm I think I'm pretty primed for one as well. So maybe I'll take your lead on that and figure out how I'm going to do one as well. <laughs> yeah, just throw it away. Don't throw it away. Just don't <laughs> turn it off. Turn it off, man. Turn and, it off. You know, it, mm -hmm. it is interesting not to harp on this, but I was picking up a to go order yesterday. And, you know, just kind of waiting in the in the wait area of the restaurant. And there was one other um, woman and she's like right next to me. And she's just and this isn't a criticism, but, but she's just scrolling through her social media. And and for like 10 minutes, we're like sitting there and I've made an effort not to bring my phone out just to be with my thoughts. Um, you know, what a concept. <laughs> and, and, right. and and it's crazy. Like. I've I've heard others talk about this, but the implications of just not being bored, like like we're just what's the first thing that someone will do, uh, you know? And talk, bringing this back to like meeting new friends, she could have been a new a new friend potentially. But, That's right. But That's she's right. just yeah. scrolling through, mm -hmm. and it's what probably a vast majority of people would do, and myself included on occasions. And 
it's just interesting to think about that, like these interactions, these spaces are being taken up by our phones and no longer are we having a random conversation with a, the person at the to-go pickup area. And not only let, forget like the potential friendship there, but just that the chemical cocktail that I get and she would get as a human of having this face-to-face conversation is no longer there. And it's no wonder we're feeling you know, lonelier than ever. Walking down the street, half the people are staring at their palm and their phone rather than smiling at people and, and having this interaction that we've evolved with for millions of years. And now it's like suddenly it, within a decade of human evolution it's like a speck on the the timeline and right. it's it's gone right. and it's like that has really profound implications i don't even think we're beginning to realize or understand yeah we really aren't there there was um i mean there's data that backs up exactly what you're saying there was a study where they had people riding public transportation their job was to make a little like a just a micro moment of small talk with somebody on the train and the research subjects who were tasked with doing this, they ended up having positive mental health outcomes. Like you're saying, it was good for them. Um, and I think somehow they actually followed up with the people who were on the receiving end of this little micro interaction. And they also had um, positive mental health outcomes. It's such a funny thing that we, it's like we don't even know how significant of a loss it is, that just those little 30 seconds um, on a train in line to take out, like you're saying, um, that we really do need them. It's oftentimes when I'm talking to people who are in the dating world, you know, very app-driven dating world, and they're feeling that kind of heavy cynicism that can come with um, navigating a really complicated dating world. One of the things that people find restorative is to take the apps off their phone for a bit and just really return to that kind of eyes up when you're out in public spaces and not even looking for a partner really, but just kind of the eyes up connections to just remember that there's, that I have sort of face-to-face game. I have face-to-face skills and abilities to chat with people. And I think that can kind of restore our our faith in humanity that um, I think our daters are particularly at risk of feeling kind of just gnarly and cynical about the state of our world. Do you think people who work in the hospitality industry are feeling those same sense of loneliness since they're really interacting with people more on a day-to-day basis and having dialogue and conversation? That would be so interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. To I'm just, study that. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I was just, I just thought of that and I was wondering, well, you know, they do talk with people a lot more and I wonder if they're experiencing mm-hmm. those same feelings because it they may be interacting with people, but it may not be like deep conversation that they, that that individual person might need. So I'm just curious. (laughs) You know what I have heard from probably close to five people who work in retail slash, you know, are cashiers. I have heard from um, a handful of those people that they report that it really sucks when they are checking somebody out or making their beverage and there's no eye contact because the customer is staring at their phone. And then it just feels really like kind of heavy for them that really you're not even going to just do me the honor of looking in my eyes, saying hello to me, asking me how my day is. And so I think that becomes 
sort of a drain uh, to being on that, oh, you know, yeah. on that social boundary, maybe wanting to engage with customers that may be part of the appeal of that job or part of the sense of like, that's the role of that job. And then not even having customers who are willing to engage. So once I heard that, I really have tried to be more conscientious about putting my phone down and, um, you know, when I'm interfacing with, with retail and, um, forward facing, you know, workers. Making them feel like a person. (laughs) Uh Oh gosh, what a novel concept. Right? (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast and you got your headphones in and you're in line, take them out. And mm-hmm. smile at the cashier. Pause this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Pause it. No, it, it, it's it's an important thing, and uh, I won't stop berating our listeners with with all the latest research and my circumstantial evidence while waiting at the takeout line. <laughs> and it, it'll be interesting to see, like, what the minister of loneliness, like, what public health, what laws or institutions or developments they they actually put into place to combat this because it, it is an important thing and and we should have it or learn from whatever they find and make these changes and it can start with our listeners just having this information being aware of it making the time to develop and nurture those relationship with friends outside of your primary romantic relationship. It's an important thing. And we're glad that you you have some research-backed information and some tips. And are there any things Mm -hmm. that we didn't cover or things that you can leave our listeners with to help them implement this in their lives, Dr. Solomon? I think we covered a lot of really, um, I think we covered a lot of really important ground. And, um, you know, the piece where we started around how to, how to navigate um, maybe a new relationship and that friendship network. Um, It really is like holding that both and space of the excitement, the honeymoon stage, like really enjoying what you're cultivating with a, um, in a relatively new, even if it's a new stage of relationship, right? A new marriage um, that that's, that that's beautiful. And that that couple system is going to do the best when it remains connected to, um, family and friends. And it's not, it's not easy. You know, there may be when two people come together and create an intimate partnership, they may have really different thresholds for how much social connection they need. Somebody who's more extroverted partner with somebody who's a little more introverted. Um, And it's one of those times where the differences between the partners needs to be met with curiosity and dialogue versus making the other one wrong. And I think when it's something about, how much social connection you need and what kind of social connection. It's really easy for it to feel a bit threatening um, or to attach a story that you don't want to be with me or you're not as invested in us versus really just that shoulder to shoulder looking together at the question of how much outside time and attention does each of us need and what would feel really good to each of us and being curious about how each partner can be and can be can feel supported and connected and it may not look the same for each partner and that's okay. Well Dr. Solomon, we've really appreciated you joining us back on the show and discussing this very important topic with us. So let's go ahead and wrap up today's interview by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. my, um, my book is called Loving Bravely 20 Lessons of self-discovery to help you get the love you want. And my website is dralexandrosolomon.com. 
Excellent. Well, our listeners can find all of those links in our show notes and on our website at idopodcast.com. And again, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, We are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you were listening to a pleasure podcast For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.